0: Hi and welcome back to the Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again today with my wife Natasha Mason. There she is on the left. Hello, hello. And she sits on my left all the time. I would like her to sit on the right, but then she would be outside the house, so we keep her to the left. Anyway, um, we're back to talk again uh, about the rapture. We had, uh, if you've listened to the previous episode of When Is the Rapture, this is more of a continuation of that episode. This will probably be called uh, When Is the Rapture Part Two. Uh, in the last episode, um, we discussed uh, what we thought about the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, we discussed some of the different other types of uh, rapture events: the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all those things. Um, there's there's a millennial, there's the millennial. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So, um, kind of the same as what I talked about in the last episode. Uh, all of these things, and I are just ideas. These are not concrete things that you must believe in order to be uh, a born-again believer. Uh, we'd like to talk about speculation, I guess would be the word for it a lot is we really don't know when the Lord is going to come. Um, and that is part of our ministry as believers is to go in the world and preach the gospel. The scripture says, once the gospel is preached to the entire world, then the end will come. So we know that we have to spread the gospel in order for that day to to come and to approach. But as people are born and as uh, there are more children who are born, there's more opportunity to spread the gospel. So we know that's going to keep going and keep continuing. So that's the main focus. Um, When it comes to talking about the rapture and things, these are things we all like to have. uh, Everybody's got an idea and everybody's got an opinion. The only time you really get in trouble when you're talking about the rapture is when you decide that you want to set a date. And you want to say, hey, God's, you know, Jesus is going to come back on a specific day. Um, Then you become... Uh, you really put yourself in a position of being uh, made into a liar. I mean, that's the honest truth. This is simply what it comes down to. There's been a lot of people over the over the centuries who've who've uh, said that Jesus was coming at a certain day and time. He didn't arrive, and so they would change their story, or they would um, they would say, you know, my information was bad, and uh, they really damaged their ministry, not only their ministry, but the ministry of uh, other Christians, because the world looks as it wants us to be reliable with our information, and if our information is not reliable. Bible, then they don't understand how they could trust us. And if they can't trust us, they kind of start questioning, how can I trust God? Right.
1: Well, I think when you, they, they're looking for any reason not to believe. Right. And you give them ample, um, reasons.
0: Yes. You give them ample opportunities to laugh at us. And, and that's honestly what happens, uh, when people make predictions about Jesus coming back and it doesn't happen, it absolutely makes the news. And that, that translates to the world laughing at Christians because we look stupid because Jesus hasn't come yet. Um, one of the scripture, uh, in the scriptures, uh, one of the new Testament verses says that in the last days, um, people will start saying, where is he? Where's the promise of his, you know, where's the sign of his return? Where's he at? He hasn't come back yet. Uh, where's this Jesus at that you worship? He hasn't come back yet. He said he was going to come back and you haven't seen, him. you know, and so I think the further we get away from his crucifixion and resurrection, the more we're going to hear that. Um, I heard that from a friend of mine, man, probably 20 years ago. And I wrote his name in my Bible and I told him, I said, I'm writing you in the Bible because you fulfilled prophecy, honestly, because you said, well, where's Jesus at? Oh, he ain't here. He's been gone 2000 years. So I wrote the guy's name in the Bible um because I wanted to, I wanted to mark that cuz that was something I think we're going to see a lot more of as we go through time uh, one of the things that we talked about, uh, me and my wife, Natasha here, uh, talked about was rap- the word rapture itself and, and the coming of Christ. Um, so if you know, if you're older, I'm 40 ish, three ish, somewhere in I'm
1: 44, I'm
0: somewhere in that 43 <laughs> range. Right. So we grew up in the eighties we were eighties kids and every church, um, it was like I said, in the last episode, a lot of churches were preoccupied with the rapture, the eighties and the nineties, especially getting close to the year 2000, Y2K and all that stuff. Hey, it's the end of the world world and Jesus is going yeah. to come back, you know, so it was really, really heavily handed in that area. And I think we don't hear about that nearly as much as we used to. Right. And, and Thessalonians had talked about us that we're supposed to comfort one another with the words that Jesus is coming back. We're supposed to be talking about the fact that he's coming back. Um, I, I had asked her, I think yesterday that if you were, um, I know someone who has gotten married, I think over the last week but um, she constantly talked about her fiance. And if there's one, I'm not, I'm just picking on the word, but if there's one word that really annoys you over time, it's the word fiance, because somebody will use that in a conversation. And it's like, they want to say it a thousand times. Well, my fiance is coming over and this weekend, me and my fiance. So, you know, you kind of get this idea like, okay, fine. You've got a fiance. We get it, you know? Um, but I honestly think that's how we're supposed to be with our bridegroom, Jesus. He is the bridegroom of, Um, the body of christ and we should be so consumed with the idea of wanting to see him and wanting him to return that it almost becomes a thing where we're talking about it all the time and and we're just our minds are set on it our hearts are set on it we want him to come back we want to be with him and i think the world looks at it they don't understand why and the reasoning is because we're still in this body of sin the bible says this body that we live in is not perfected yet we still have sin in us and I know for me, and probably for you, because I know you've mentioned this before. Um, there's that you just can't wait to be free of this sin, this flesh that we're in, man. I just can't be. I, I'm ready for that day when I have a new body. It has no sin in it, and I don't have to fight it anymore. And I don't I need have to be to, healed, right? And I don't have to struggle against. There's no sickness, you know. You don't. You don't have to worry about being sick or getting cancer or getting a disease or, or you know, I mean, it's just. There's a lot we're, the older you get, the more you think about it, the more you get concerned with it, the, the older, most people get, the more they think about death. And so for the Christian, for the believer who's put his faith in Jesus, we're waiting for that day when we can see him. And I think the disturbing thing for me is, is that we don't hear about it as much as we used to. We don't hear people preaching on it as hard as they used to. Now, granted, I, I think you have to temper some of that with, well, he's going to come back this year. You know, I mean, I had a friend, uh, was commenting about uh, some of the the stuff in the last uh, episode. And one of the things he had said was, um, you know, look at this guy on YouTube. He's got a lot of information there. So I went over and I'd seen the guy before. And in the video, the guy, one of the videos, the guy was saying, well, I think Jesus could come back in 2019. Well, he could, okay. I mean, he could technically... Uh, come technically at any time, even though we 've established that God has a day and an hour and and it's it 's probably pre preordained in god 's mind the uh, um of the day but you know it 's tough to make those things where we say it 's going to be a specific it could be a specific year it could be a specific time frame because I think we ultimately wind up um I think it can damage our faith and the faith of those around us instead of just encouraging one another with, we don't know when he's coming, but God has a plan and he will fulfill his plan. But Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. Um, And for us, for the Christian, that means it could be a hundred years, it could be a thousand years, but we know he's coming for us. We're either going to see him when we die or we're going to see him when he comes riding in on the clouds of glory. I mean, it's one of the two, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, back to the raptures, the whole rapture series here and the, uh, the idea of a rapture, pre-trib, rapture, mid-trib, post-trib, all that. The stuff we put out, the information, a lot of the verses that we put out in the last podcast, um, are strictly and uh, specifically what they are. That's, you know, I'm trying to give out uh, not really so much my idea, but what the Bible says, because that's what we want to look at. We want to take scripture at face value. You have to take scripture at face value. One of the things I think um, people have overlooked for the years and one thing they don't think about is that the Bible itself was written by Jewish people or Hebrews, right?
1: Yeah, it's written in that context.
0: Right, absolutely. So it's written by those folks who, who were Jews. They wrote to other Jews. They were writing to the Jews. They were they were writing to uh, the people of God. They were writing to people that they would understand what we're talking about, right? Um, now, the scripture is written in such a way that it's easy to understand. And I, I have a lot of people who get bent out of shape about, you know, well, the King James is old English. It's hard to understand. Yes, there are some times it can tri- twist your tongue up and trip you up a little bit, but it's pretty easy to understand. I've never had a problem with it. Um, but at the same time, there, there are... These ideas that if we apply our knowledge of today to the Bible, there's some concepts we're going to miss because we don't know history. We don't know what they were. You know, we might not understand exactly what they're talking about. Um, We go on and I've talked plenty about the law and how in uh, biblical Hebrew, um, Aramaic, there's no word for law. It's simply Torah and it's translated into modern English as the word law. And so we apply this idea that it's a legalistic thing. But the word Torah in Hebrew simply means instructions, so it doesn't necessarily mean legalism. It means uh, somebody who's given it's these instructions God has given to us. Now, when we tra- even the funny thing is that when we translate it into English, we say, "Well, the devil is the lawless one." We say he's one without law, right? Because we read that in the last episode, he's the lawless one. The son of perdition is the lawless one. Um, and we go on and on about how he is without law, which means basically he is without Torah. He's without the word of God or the instruction of God. But then you run into so many people who want to throw the the baby out with the bathwater, And they say, well, when Jesus died on the cross, he did away with the law that makes us all free of the law. So we're basically lawless.
1: Right. Sounds like it.
0: I mean, that's what, it, uh, that's at the surface of what that says as world. So that means we would more, more or less lean on that side of the devil because we don't believe that we need to follow the Torah of God. We don't need to believe we, we need to follow his word. and And those are all different things we'll get into later. But I mean, it's all about context and what things really mean. So when we look at these scripture verses, number one. I think one of the most important things that people need to look at and need to understand about a pre-tribulation rapture or any rapture whatsoever is, did the disciples, were they looking for a rapture? Were they ever looking for a rapture? Yes. No. No. I like how you went, yes. (laughs) Like, you just looked at me and said, yeah. No, I mean they were looking for the return of Christ. Remember that's, that's exactly what they were looking for. They were not looking for any kind of uh, snatching up, catching away, any kind of secret leaving. They were not looking for any of that. All they were looking for was the return of Christ. They knew he was going to die. They knew he was going to ascend into heaven and they were concerned about when are you coming to set up your kingdom? It's all about the kingdom, right? When Jesus is praying, he says, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about that coming kingdom. Um, The second thing would be that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, so the son of man, you know, goes up into heaven in clouds and glory. He's going to come back the same way and every eye will behold him. So Jesus himself never made any allusion to a secret snatching away. He never said he did say, I will come like a thief in the night. And he did say that, right? Right. But when a thief in the night comes, it's not that you don't see what the thief in the night did; it's that he came quickly, and so that's what that whole thing is about. Behold, I come quickly is what or he's un- talking about. Unexpectedly, exactly, it's unexpectedly. He's not coming to snatch away so that nobody else knows what's going on. He's coming to, uh, he's coming quickly when people least expect it. So that's that's what that whole verse in scripture is about. So the disciples, the people who wrote the scriptures, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the kingdom to come. And the reason we know this is true is because what were they looking for when the Messiah came? This is the reason they rejected him. They rejected Jesus because he was a suffering Messiah. They wanted a conquering king. And the Jews rejected him because he did not come in. And destroy or run out the Romans. They wanted a kingdom set up in Jerusalem. They wanted a king sitting on the throne. This is what they wanted since um, since David and Saul were kings. God didn't even want to give them kings, and that, but they wanted somebody to rule over them. So He gave them Saul. So they have been wanting a king four centuries. And when Jesus came, they didn't like the version of the king that they got because he was going to be a lamb led to the slaughter. They didn't want that. They wanted a lion. They wanted that lion of the tribe of Judah who breaks every chains, who comes in and sets up his kingdom and rules with a rod of iron. And, you know, I mean, these are all the pictures you see out of the book of revelation. It says the fire proceeds out of his mouth, you know, like a sword. I mean, it's just, so he's coming back and he's going to, The enemies are going to uh, come against him, his enemies, and he's going to destroy them. And so that's what they're going to get the second time that he returns. Um, So when you go back and you look at what the disciples were wanting, that's exactly what they were wanting. They weren't looking for anything else. And Jesus knew this. And that's why he addressed them in the way of when I I come again, you're going to see me coming in glory. And uh, remember what I read out of Matthew. It said, you're going to see the sign of the son of man coming, Right. Um, in the book of Reve- Revelation, it says that the, the, uh, the wicked, they're going to cry out for the rocks to fall upon them and hide their faces from him because they see him coming. Um, so we've got these ideas that, and this is strictly going by what the scripture says, um, th- these ideas from the scripture that when Jesus comes, every eye is going to see him. Everybody's going to behold him coming and they're going to, the world, the wicked are going to, uh, they're going to want to hide from him because of the, the terror that, that's going to be in their hearts. Just knowing that he's coming. So uh, one other, a couple other verses, a couple other things I wanted to look at, um, especially with the book of Revelation, we get into talking about the, the bowls, uh, the vials, and the trumps, um, and the wrath of God. So one thing you have to understand is not everything is the wrath of God. All the horrible things that you read in the book of Revelation that happened during the tribulation period are not God's wrath. If you go back, and the reason I say this is if you go back to Egypt and you look at the Hebrews in Egypt and they're kept under slavery, um, the pestilence, the plagues, the frogs, the locusts, all those things. Those are the tribulations that God put on the Egyptians until they decided to set the people free. Those are the tribulations. The wrath of God is when the death angel comes and he takes the firstborn child. And how did they protect themselves from losing their firstborn child?
1: Sacrifice.
0: Yes. They had to put the lamb's blood on the doorpost, right? Now the lamb's blood is a representation of who? Jesus. Right. So they were covering their door and their family in that blood of the lamb. That's what the whole point was. While they were still in Egypt, that that death angel came and passed over them. That's where Passover comes from. It passed over their house because they had the blood on the doorpost.
1: But they so, were still there.
0: Right. This is They're there all the way up until that point. At that point, Pharaoh decides he's going to let them go. Because it's the worst thing. Get out of Egypt. Don't come back. Leave. So when you look at the tribulation, it's the same way. If we go with the 42 weeks, if we go with a seven year tribulation, um, it kind of works the same way. So the bowls and the vials and the trumps, the trumpets, those are all just the tribulation. Period. Those are the tribulation warnings. And all those things are saying, uh, you need to pay attention. The wrath of God is coming. You need to get right. The world is going to go through a lot of horrible things because they're wrong and they're not right with God. And so he's trying to get them to turn away from their wickedness and turn to him. So he gets to the point in chapter 14 where we read that, the, uh, that Jesus himself was sitting on a cloud with a crown on his head and he reaps of the earth. He takes up those that are in the earth and he removes them before the wrath of God. So he's removing those who've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Same thing that happened in Egypt, but he's pulling them out before the wrath of God falls on mankind. And when the wrath of God falls on mankind is when it really gets ugly. Um, the Holy Spirit is removed out of the way the believers are removed out of the way and the sheer terror of God falls on mankind. Now there's a lot of people are going to say, I can't believe you would say that your God would do anything other than love people. Um, I hate to tell you, and we've talked about this in a couple episodes, that God sits on the throne and his anger is against the wicked and he is angry. If you think God is sitting up there and he's just loving you sinning and he's loving watching the world go through sin and defy him and that he's okay with it, you're absolutely wrong. If you think that God is going to sit on the throne and allow people to defame his name and to abuse his name, he'll put up with it for a while because he's merciful and patient, but there's a point where God will interact. Um, If you're a child of God, and this is the same thing, if you're a child of God, we're Christians and believers, and we walk away from him, and we do not walk in his ways, the Bible says he will correct us. He will put us back in line just like a parent would their child. That's his responsibility. That's his authority as God to do so. So when we look at the tribulation period and we look at all the things that are going to happen, the scripture says we wouldn't be gathered together in Thessalonians until the son of perdition is revealed, which is supposedly the halfway point of the tribulation. The devil's going to reveal himself. People will have taken this mark upon their skin, on their forehead or their hands, what the Bible says. Um, he's going to remove us out of that, and then his anger and his wrath against this world are going to, are going to they're going to come to a head, and it's just going to be terror. Um, and you know, it's not a good time. Um, so a lot of this stuff, you get into it. And I'll give you some. We're going to talk about uh, something called Sukkot. We're going to have a podcast episode about Sukkot, uh, but there's seven, basically there's seven feasts in the old Testament that the Lord had said that we were supposed to do for every generation. The majority of us don't do these feasts because we've replaced them with some other holiday that we thought was important and that's okay. We don't know, right? Um, so these feasts are very important to when Jesus comes and, and what he's accomplished and what he has yet to accomplish. There's seven of them and, um, it's, it's, we'll get into that when Sukkot comes around. Um, again, I think in the last episode, I think, uh, if you're strictly speaking, this is just going to be kind of up in the air speaking hypothetically, right? Uh, if I had to take a guess when Jesus was going to come back, I couldn't give you a day or the hour. I couldn't give you a year. Um, I think if you read the Bible and you look at the book of revelation, the world is in such a bad way that he has to come back. Cause it says, if he didn't come back, the very elect might not be honestly make it because the world has gotten so bad. Um, do we live in that world right now?
1: We see glimpses of it, I think.
0: Right. I th- uh, right. But at- not,
1: I don't think in the, in the U S
0: no, absolutely. I think, well, even in the U S we do see glimpses of it. I, uh, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the son of man. So if you go back and you look in Genesis as how it was in the days of Noah, the Bible says that violence filled the earth. Violence was everywhere. Um, and I think as, society progresses and we do away with God and we, we, we do away with righteousness and we do away with God's word and we say we don't need him and we say we're um, morality is subjective and I can do whatever I want. I think you're going to see a growth in violence. I think you're going to see more violence than you've ever seen. I think America is on the cusp of, of just falling slap off the map. I mean, honestly, I think where if we continue to go down the path that we are, where we let the major the minority of people tell the majority of people that their morals and their righteousness is wrong, we're really in going to be in trouble. Right. I mean, it's, we're really headed for a bad spot. So I think. If I, if I were to look at from the scripture and I were to look at current world situations, I, and people can just, you can disagree with me. Um, there's times that I'll be listening to something on the radio or something on TV and my wife knows it. Cause I'll go, no, 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 no. You know, I'll disagree with somebody immediately. Um, but if you want to disagree with me, that's fine. But I still think we have a long way to go. I think we, we still have, man, it could be 200, 300 more years, 500 more years before Christ returns because I don't think the world is at that desperately wicked spot that it needs to be. Now it could turn on, a, I know there's a lot of people who say, well, if an antichrist or a messiah comes, um, it could turn quickly, right? A false messiah were to come. It could turn quickly on Christians and he could say, well, these Christians are a problem. We need to eliminate them. I don't think that's how it's. I think if you look at everything that happens in history, God tends to let uh, things happen kind of slow. I mean, things happen in the scriptures kind of slow. The the Hebrews were in Egypt for three, four, 500 years. They were there for a long time. Things didn't happen quickly. When Jesus came to earth, how many years had it been since Adam was on the earth? 4,000 years, 4,000 years. So from the time of Adam to the cross was 4,000 years. Things didn't happen quickly. In, in God's timing, you know, I think God's timing of what is quick and our timing of what is quicker way apart, two different things. Um, so when we look at Jesus' return, yeah, it's only been 2,000 years since he was crucified. It could be another 2,000 years before he returns. It took him 4,000 years to come the first time. So I think these ideas that he has to be, you know, look at our generation. It's falling apart. And we like to say uh, we, the, all these things from this generation shall not pass when you see the olive tree. I mean, there's this whole Israel is established in 1948. So everybody thinks it you know, 70 years, but we passed that. So something else has got to be there, right? Something different. Um, The main thing is, is that we don't, don't set these times in your head, you know, don't set these times in your heart that this has got to be the specific year. This has got to be a specific day. It's, it's knowing that he's coming. It's the excitement, right? It's the excitement of knowing that you're going to that, that wedding supper and you're going to be there with the bridegroom and he's coming and he loves you and he hasn't forgotten about you. And one day you're going to be with him. And that's, what's important. And, and he is going to honor his word. He'll never not honor his word. You know, I think there's times in, in your mind and times from people, and this is why people say, where is he? he hasn't come back yet? There's times you could be discouraged and say, I don't understand. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus has been here and he hasn't come back yet. I mean, wh- how long is it going to be? And, and I would say, uh, beloved, you know, he hasn't forgotten us. He's still at work in our hearts. He's still at work in our lives. God is still moving in our family and God is still moving in the world. And he hasn't forgotten us where sin does abound. The grace of God does much more abound, right? Right. So if God is still on the throne and God is still working and Jesus is still there and Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to be with you, has he forgotten you? No. No, he hasn't forgotten you at all. He's given you the opportunity to minister to others, to bring them into the the fold, the family of Christ. That's what it's all about. Because the longer he gives, the more mercy he has with this world, the more people can repent and come to know the Lord. So, you know, we get into the rapture stuff and I know that a lot of people, if you want to comment on this, that's awesome. That's great. If you got a different opinion than I do, that's fantastic. Um, are we still brothers and sisters in Christ? Absolutely. And, uh, I would never turn any. you know, I really would hope for a pre-tribulation rapture would love that idea. Um, I'm all about getting out of here early. <laughs> I don't want to be around when bad stuff happens. Um, you got to know me. I just, I'm very uncomfortable in, in confrontational situations. So, you know, just <laughs> saying. so do you have any questions about, no. Okay. So, um, a couple, I'll hit a couple quick points real quick. Uh, we could roll this into a third episode, but I'll try and summarize in real quick. Um, so when I was growing up I went to Christian school all my life, one of the things that I heard was, that, um, and this is something you might want to look into yourself is that the, um, Babylon, the great in the book of revelation would be the revived Roman empire, um, we always heard that it was going to be the revived Roman Empire. The, the Pope, uh, the last Pope, was going to be the, uh, the false prophet before the Anti Messiah, Antichrist comes. And uh, that's not what I grew up on. I grew up on that a lot. And they, they really go off of the book of Revelation where it says um, Babylon is a city that sets on seven hills, um, and Rome is the city of seven hills. So we've always thought that uh, a lot of people have always thought that it's the revived Roman empire. I don't think it's the revived Roman empire at all. Um, I think if you go all the way back in the beginning of scripture, I think this goes all the way back to um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and really, I think it goes back to the establishment of Israel. Um, I think it goes back to Abraham uh, having the child with the handmaid, which the Lord had not promised anything to him. But then Abraham has Isaac. And all of the promise goes to Isaac. So Ishmael is the firstborn son, and he's upset because the promise used to go to the firstborn son. But God says the promise goes to Isaac. So out of Isaac came all of Israel. Out of, out of that came the 12 tribes and the Messiah and um, the believers, all of that. So I think this is two brothers that are fighting in the end times. I think these are two brothers that you're going to see fighting at when Christ returns. Um, and I, the, I believe the descendants of Ishmael are going to be the, um, the Arabic people and the descendants of Isaac are Israel. Um, so I think those are the two things. I think when the Messiah, when the anti-Messiah, the false Messiah comes, I think he's going to be, um, out of the country, probably out of the country of Turkey. And this is just based off the first of revelations because he says, uh, he, he knows the, he's talking to one of the seven churches and he says, um, basically that he knows where they're at and what, oh, there's something in this scripture that I want you to notice. Um, this is going to be revelations chapter two, verse 12 and 13. Go ahead and read that.
1: And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These things saith he that hath the sharp two-edged sword. I know where thou dwellest, even where Satan's throne is, and thou holdest the fast my name, and didst not deny my faith. And even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwelleth?
0: Right. So here in Revelation chapter two, verse 12 and 13, the Lord tells you something very interesting. And he's writing to the church of Pergamos, um, which was, um, today would be considered modern day Turkey. Um, so, and, it, and he says something in this verse into the Pergamos people. He says, uh, basically I know thy works where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. Interesting. So Satan's seat on the earth is based in where this church of Pergamos was, which is in Turkey. So, you know, a minute ago I said that we used to think the revived Roman Empire was um, Rome because it's the city of seven hills. Because the scripture says Babylon had seven hills. Guess what else has seven hills? Mecca. Mecca is surrounded by seven hills. So it's very, and to me, I think if you start looking at some of the clues in Revelation, it says those who are beheaded for the cause of Christ came out of the tribulation. Is the Catholic Church beheading anyone?
1: Not for a long time.
0: No, they haven't done it in thousands of years, probably 1,500 years. Um, I posted an article this past week on my Facebook page where in Saudi Arabia, 134 people were killed through crucifixion and beheading. So uh, cutting the head off is still huge among some of the arabic nations and some of the, the nations of islam so one of the other things that people don't even know is that they act they have their own messiah that they believe is coming they call him the mahdi um, they believe their Mahadi will come and he will make war against Christians and the infidels. And they've built this, I think it's in Iraq. Uh, they built a huge, it maybe Saudi Arabia, but they built a huge, uh, palace. It's gold. I've seen pictures of it. It was like gold and blue stones and stuff. So when their Mahadi returns, he'll have somewhere to stay. So if you think about what we see in the world today, um, and, and, uh, you see about the spread of, of different religions and things like that and people all across Europe and all these people are having to flee and they're bringing Islam to um, the UK and they're bringing it to the US. And, and it's, it's one of the fastest growing religions in the world. In my opinion, this is just strictly my opinion, I think Islam is one of the last great religions of the planet. And I think a Messiah, a Mahadi that comes from Islam is more likely to make war with Christians than the Catholic Church ever would. Right. I think it's because they see us as infidels. They see us as devils. And so that's, you know, this is, you can find all of this in the Quran. It's, it's in there. Um, but I think there's that, this is where I think it goes. I think that you have the beheadings because that's what, that's the kind of punishment they use. Um, and I think there's some other scriptures there that give indication to this being, um, from Turkey that the anti-messiah comes out of Turkey. Um, so I know there's a lot of people who have different views on that too, where the antichrist comes. People used to say, Oh, he's born now. He's walking the earth. We don't know that. Um, they like to say, you know, he could come out of the European union because it's got 13 stars and all that. And we don't know that either. So there's so much here we don't know. Um, uh, but it's fun to talk about cause it's, it's, it's those, it's those interesting speculative things that, uh, really kind of make being a Christian kind of cool. Cause we, we look for things in the world, right? So that's kind of all we're doing. Um, so anyway, that's kind of going to wrap this episode up. We just add a little bit more to, and maybe repeat it a little bit more of the last episode. Um, again, I'm no authority on the uh, tribulation, the rapture, any of that stuff. i um, just a guy who's reading the scripture, who's doing some study and uh, just find some things really interesting. Uh, again, if the Lord comes before the tribulation, fantastic. We're all for that. Um, if we do see, and I will tell you, if you do see signs of a tribulation period um, coming upon on us. And you're going to, honestly, you should see it because there's, vol, there's bowls and vials and all different kinds of things that are going to happen. Um, you need to read up on the book of Revelations. There's a special blessing at the beginning of Revelations for those who actually take the time to read the book. Um, so read that book, read the book of Revelation and uh, kind of get, get in your mind what you might see and some of the things around you. And so you won't be surprised by anything. Uh, we don't want to be caught off guard. We don't want to be caught sleeping. We don't when we should be out working and we should be out work, tending those fields. Um, so anyway, that's the end of this episode. We appreciate you again for listening. Thanks to everybody who's been, uh, listening to all of our episodes. We've got a lot of people in Virginia, a lot of people in California and Texas and Massachusetts. Um, some people in Florida, we've got people in South Africa and people in India and Russia and all these different places, uh, from me and Natasha, we just want to say, we really appreciate that. Um, I don't think it, um, this is, I mentioned before, this is our biggest month, Um, so far with listens and the Lord is, is, uh, using the podcast to do some work. Um, and we're just really excited about that. Uh, why anybody would want to listen to two, two people from North Carolina in the United States? I don't know.
1: Two hillbillies.
0: Really hope you love our accents. Um, (laughs) but Maybe that's why you keep coming back. But we want to keep giving you uh, different information, uh, different ideas from the Scripture, different viewpoints, ways to look at things. And we really want to encourage you to be light in this world. Um, in the next episode, and I'll give you a little heads up for this one. In the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about that very subject of being a light in the world. What does that mean? And what is the symbol in the Scriptures of the church? Because I think it's very different than what we use today. So we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening.
1: Bye.